previously on the Fantastic Worlds podcast. Just keeping an eye on the door. <laughs> oh, gods, I hope it's not another <laughs> construct creature as he's uh, holding his abdomen just uh, with his head back. It's a great size, Pippa. I really, <laughs> I love it and all. Uh, I feel extraordinarily weaker. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's, it's fine. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to walk with with some of my own height for just. If you, it's fine. Oh no, you don't see me. What you see is oh. <laughs> you see Argentea in cat form on the bed, and then behind the bed, you just see the golem head kind of popping up and down as Bayani is doing a puppet show. She ended up my height. Actually, it was awesome. Whoever placed these items placed them very strategically. Uh, for you have to visit both us and our enemies' bases in order to to find what you're looking for, maybe. Naturally. Mm. So I have a question for you because you all now I know have GM'd something at some time or another or currently I was one of our shows. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you all feel at the end of an episode uh, or at the end of a GMing session? Um, The reason why I asked this is because I was I was reading in our discord and somebody was talking about the fact that that they're that they spend their after sessions just thinking about all the ways they screwed up. And all the ways they should have been better. And I was just thinking the whole time, I was like, man, I'm just utterly exhausted at the end of a, of, of a GMing day. My brain has been doing mental calculations and figuring out strategy and stuff nonstop all day long. So usually I go take a nap after I'm done GMing for the day. Um, because, And then I just usually stare at my ceiling for a couple hours because I'm just so drained. That, you know, that ENFP, I, I, I ride the line between introvert and extrovert. And so that extrovert energy is gone. And I just need some recovery time. What about all you? How do you uh, feel after a GMing session? Hmm. I'm going to jump into on this one because now that you've said that, here's kind of like a sub question. Does it depend if it's a recording GM or you're doing it as kind of like an off camera thing? Because I remember I run, I run a campaign and usually afterwards, um, I put together some notes like really quick, unless I'm in nerd mode. We're like, okay, this is what happened. Let me journal and have everything organized for the next one. Or I'm like, uh, okay, eh, nothing super major happened. Cool. Now it's time for me to play some Assassin's Creed or, well, at that <laughs> time, you know, it was Mass Effect, but it wasn't really anything like, eh, I don't need any downtime. It was playing a video game, right? Or entertainment. But I remember for one of the cons where I did the Freedom for Wishes, I don't know if it was just the mechanics of the Roll20, because I use Roll20 in the other games, um, having all the monitors up with the chats, uh, making sure I have my notes, and then there was like multiple one of you, and I know when I'm playing, I'm like, 
oh crap, did I answer somebody's question or talk over somebody? Oh crap. Oh, <laughs> Dustin has that weird what's odd in the room thing. Fuck. I've been through three rooms and I forgot to ask. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's the mechanics of other players' abilities that they play, and they have them in mind because when as a GM, I'm cognizant that people create characters that they want to play and have features they want to play. So I always want to at least tap into them. If you're the elven ranger that spent a million years in the woods and your bow is uh, an heirloom and I don't have the spirit of a flipping pixie in it, then I want to try to have it like <laughs> flare up every once in a while because that's the flavor that the character has added to their tune. And as a GM, I want to make sure I showcase that for the character because to, from my observation, that's what brings enjoyment for the players. That kind of stuff that they add in for enjoyment mm. as a GM, I'm on the lookout for that. So I, long, you know, long answer is, I guess it depends on camera. <laughs> I'm with you, Dustin. I was so exhausted. I don't remember being that exhausted um, before. And the minute the, the four the four hours were up or I don't know how long it was not counting the prep leading up to it. I'm, I was off of the social media. I was like, uh, sorry fans. I just gotta, I gotta just, I can't look at the, I could. Was that your first time GMing 2E as well? I think so. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, so you had a whole new so rule set you were working away. with. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, jump um, <laughs> But I think my last game that I jammed was, you know, before wedding time. And afterwards, again, it's just slipping easily to the other one. So I guess it just depends. Um, off camera, I could transition to kind of taking the GM hat and just do my thing. And then on camera, yeah, I need a little bit of recovery, but it's never um, off. I messed that up. No, I take that back. It is the, I messed it up as far as like, <laughs> oh no, I should have um, remembered about some class feature for the character, but it's not mechanics. Like I feel bad. I messed up. It's more, <gasps> I didn't showcase what the character, you know, uh, the player created to bring enjoyment to their character. That's my like, uh, if I'm going to dwell on something, that's totally something I'm going to dwell on. Like, ah, yeah. crap, I forgot about that thing. I only start scrutinizing myself if I feel like I missed something that would have made it. Like, if it wasn't that fun. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you get the feeling at the end where it's like, uh, that wasn't like a great session, which um, usually I don't feel at the end of GSOE only because y'all you don't have those. really fun. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pretty. All they're all, all pretty energy. bonkers. In a <laughs> they're all so weird. <laughs> it's a wacky. Other than I mean, there was that kind of slog. This that was kind of a slog during the the Hermitage, though. You oh know, my gosh, um, yeah. that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but so I kept thinking during that, man, I wish I had cut more of this. Um, but say la vie, we got through it and we ended, we made it fun in our own way, I suppose. Uh, mm. <laughs> we sure did. I've hardly GM'd off camera. So yeah, the feeling is definitely a little different. It is a lot more exhausting. Like I remember the lead up, the prep, and then doing Jasper's game day oh. knocked me on my ass. I and then... That. <laughs> GSOE being more of a regular thing, it doesn't, you know, knock mm -hmm. me on my ass to the same degree, mm. but it does tire me 
out like a lot, but mostly because I laugh. At, I get sweaty and I laugh a lot <laughs> during GSOE. <laughs> so I'm like physically exhausted as well. I mean, I laugh during every single one of our games, of course, but I feel like GSOE is like pure shenanigans a lot of times <laughs> so far because we're still in freaking book one, but uh, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, <laughs> But so um, close. <laughs> it's so close. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's definitely. I don't know. I would have to. I want. I do want to try GMing outside of you know these scenarios where we're recording or we're on camera or whatever else, um, just to see if it if it really is less exhausting because it had been in the past, um, but. Definitely having to pay mind to additional factors outside of just uh, playing the game or just GMing or just trying to facilitate the fun. It's also like, well, here's all the VTT stuff and uh, what virtual tabletop stuff. And here's, you know, uh, I, oh, I said that wrong. So now I have to re-say it. Or there might be this part that really needs to be in part of the narrative, but I fucked up. So we have to, to insert it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different story. It's it's definitely a different game, ball game altogether. Uh, GMing for a podcast and GMing regular Regular. <laughs> Regular. <laughs> I mean, I've only done Thirsty Sword Lesbians for the podcast. By the mm-hmm. way, if you need to listen to that, it's available on our YouTube. So please look at our beautiful faces, my wigs, and our stories. Uh, that was a time and then, so that we had together. That was, and that, but would... that was an amazing time. What a, it was great. <laughs> the world was perfect. That was, was the incredible. time we learned that Logan was the meanest GM. That is true. I, I am literally the most, the most evil. evil. Yeah. No, Logan, Logan is the king. Uh, he gets the Tear crown for the most out. evil GM. Yeah, GM. so so if you are curious about what the what the most evil GM sounds like, please go listen to that little <laughs> mini series up on our YouTube channel. Um after the Thirsty Sword Lesbians, I I had never GM'd under a time constraint, so that was definitely new. Um, to be like, we have a two hour cutoff. And so I've always felt like I was ramping stuff up very quickly towards the end and I kept pushing you all. (laughs) And I felt Mm -hmm. bad about that. But I also feel like because we had such a short demanding time, like there was no time to think or stop like in a recording because it be, because it was live and so yeah. i felt like it was a lot more fluid and dynamic and some weird shit just kept popping just- up and <laughs> i personally am a gm who just likes to make things up on the fly anyways like based off of the decisions the characters are making i have a structure and a plot and, and everything like that but i don't know there's something about thursdays or lesbians that was just a chaotic roller coaster ride that just kept descending into hell <laughs> and you never knew that (laughs) going in y'all thought it was just going to be some weird mmorpg about music not yeah um, existentialism boy were we (laughs) wrong (laughs) and uh wrong in a wrong in a great way yeah facing death nihilism it did break me i was not okay after so many of recording. our people died. <laughs> they did. It broke they my did. brain. Mm-hmm. I don't mean characters by that listener. If you again, if you haven't yeah. seen it, people in the story died. 
Yeah. Frequently. People that Logan specifically <laughs> planted for us to care about, and then he killed them right before our very eyes. Correct. Logan is an mm. awful man. <laughs> Dang. Every, every time you like someone, I'm like, mm, noted. Interesting. And then there's like, yeah. and then noted. There's like a number then, above their head, and it's just counting down. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode, something horrible would happen to them on screen. Mm-hmm. And then I'd bring Evil. them back so that you could weep with their spirits, and then I killed them again. God. Damn. <laughs> so again, I am a ruthless DM apparently. So check that out. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, it really it really depends on how long am I GMing for, uh, and also who who am I playing with. Um, I've mm. I've found that like who I'm playing with is is the deciding factor and what's going to give me energy versus suck it out. Um, like for example, like playing with you guys ha- is always an energy giver. Uh, you're all really fun to play with. You're not overly argumentative. If, uh, I make a ruling, you want to play the game. You want to play the game the way I want to play it, which is mm. role play heavy and a little hand wavy about the specific rules, <laughs> uh, which is just how I prefer to play. Um, and you all genuinely really appreciate the story that I lay out for you when we play my games. Um, so I find that that actually gives me a lot of energy and it makes me a lot of happy and I, it makes me a lot of happy. It makes me very happy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You got it right the first time. Makes me a lot of happy. Makes me a lot of happy. Um, you know, so I so that that usually gives me energy. Um, I've 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 GM'd in person for a table uh, that just absolutely sucked my life out of me, and that was because oh. and that that was an in person table. Like we weren't putting on a performance or anything, but it was just mm-hmm. like like wow, I'm 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 not having fun, and that's what's and that's what's going to kill it for me, energy wise. Uh, but the the only other time I can think of where like I did what Dustin uh talked about which as i went and i stared at a wall afterwards was the gen con junkers delight thing and that was <laughs> yeah. that was because it was like four hours which is the longest out of ever gm did a stretch <laughs> I've, I've been spoiled with these like hour and a half recordings that we do for our podcasts <laughs> and so it was four hours we had more viewers than we'd ever had before so that was kind of like an added stressor and you know, we we had we had a good time with Junkers Delight, but I had in the final hour, I had to rearrange a good chunk of the story on the fly while I mean, other rushing. stuff was happening. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> to 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 meet our sort of hard stop at a somewhat satisfying place in the story. Mm-hmm. So that that was what I think <clears throat> was was what really uh drained me that particular day. But yeah, you know. For you, the for the most part, think, you always mm-hmm. think you chopped and screwed it enough, but no, yep, but you did not. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for our listeners, one of the rules we have because I don't know about all of you, but whenever I have watched a like a panel of an actual play and they end it because their time's up, not and they don't finish the story, it is it is one of the things that bothers me so much. So we have a rule that we push pretty hard of making sure we finish the story whenever we have a panel and don't leave things people hanging. So yeah, it can get pretty hairy there at the end when you're trying to like figure out what to cut and what to keep in order to to get within that time constraint. 
Yeah, uh, I had to sure. basically what... clip the party through several floors of a tower during Hell's Rebellion because I was like, "There's so <laughs> I can't not finish this. This is for money. This is for a cause I care about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in front of so many people right now. I'm sweaty. I I have to deliver the story. <laughs> <laughs> I must finish. <laughs> You're going to the top floor now. <laughs> Warp but... whistle. Mm. Yeah, because like it's kind of going off of what Logan mentioned too of like you know having to rush through the end of Thirsty Sword lesbians, um, yeah. not like not like rush through the end, but you know you you had to do your own rearranging mm-hmm. sort of on the fly mm-hmm. in the last couple episodes. Uh, Angel, I didn't like if you struggled with rearranging things during our uh, Starfinder. I'm sorry, during our Pathfinder Two E short for PaizoCon, I didn't notice at all. You are you so smooth. smooth with it. Oh, you are smooth as hell. That was the opportunity cost of converting the module into that one PowerPoint document that I showed you, where everything was linked. Uh, I know Dustin the Patch said that right, where it's like, oh, why don't they put it next to the thing? So I had links going. Okay, you open a letter, you click. I could click on the letter and go back. They're gonna do this. Mm -hmm. I could click on that, and it takes me that, and I could click back. If you guys don't go to something. It's not an issue because then I just click in the other area you opted to do. Um, but yeah, that was the opportunity cost of, you know, working late, late into the evening, even the day. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I wish I had the uh, the emotional fortitude to be able to be that detailed with my planning documents because uh, that would make life so much easier. Uh, uh, and, it, but yeah, I'm uh, trying for GSOE because I'm trying especially because the story is about to get messy Mm -hmm. anyways we've been playing with each other for a while so it was nice off camera to check in with folks about and also get advice going Mm -hmm. hey I haven't done this before this is about where you folks are and this is about where the you know the magic happens how's the pacing does something need to happen because I I faintly remember I had to cut off a few items or some of I don't know how you were going to build your characters, and some of you had, uh, I think, a performance or something that was able to disable something. So that was like, oh well, that's going to save a lot. Oh, of Oh yeah, yeah. Because the players have that ability, so it kind of unlocked things that uh, a different group, a party makeup, yeah. would have extended extended out the the scenario. Mm, nice. But no, that was also leaning heavily on the team for sure. <laughs> I loved. I loved playing. It, it was it the investigator class? I forget what the name of the class is. Yeah, uh, was it? Yeah, I love the the thing where basically you have to tell me one weird thing about this room. Like that was such a fun like little. <laughs> we were uh, well. We've been talking about that in our because we're playing a game on the Discord, and you know, two people have the that's odd thing. So. um our GM has been like, oh, curse you. But then the, the players are also like, it's understandable that there's not going to be something odd in every single room, right? Like, you don't mm-hmm. walk into a like a normal ass house off the street and be like, what's odd here? Well, nothing. Because, <laughs> it's, it's because they're freaking it's, normal people. That's what's odd is that they're actually normal. <laughs> If I was a GM, I would start intentionally adding like one weird thing in every room that has nothing to do with the story. That's that's what I would have done differently. One of those, oh man, it would have been, oh, okay, I have to put something odd in every room. Then I would have included that in the note. You don't have to. Mm. That's not what the feat says. You don't have to. It says if there is something odd in the room, you have to 
you know, tell him that. I, then. I, I would That's do it a as a totally different story. Uh, <laughs> everything's odd. It's a weird room. Wishes have come to life. <laughs> Everything is weird. Oh, I should see. There we go. I should have gone with that. Everything. Everything is odd. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a, a piece of the wall that is actually not uh, rippling. That's kind of weird. Can eat, you, you can eat part of the wall. <laughs> there's, a, there's a gold Howard the Duck statue in the corner. Yeah, uh. Exactly. Yeah. Just throw a little <laughs> random crap everywhere. That would uh, frustrate me. <laughs> I wonder if there's something online that's, that's odd generator. You just click it and it's it you does know? things like that. I'm sure if not, is. that'd be fun to put together. An oddity detail. Speaking of oddity, uh, when we last left you guys, I left Yana on the on you had rolled a diplomacy. Oh. Can you remind me what that oh. number was? I rolled a twenty four. Commander Theramal stands up. He looks at all the council members, and while we recognize and you start to prepare for the worst, uh, when uh, Jarlne Jarl uh, places a hand on Commander Theramal's arm, the commander looks down at the oracle and bends down as she whispers some something into the large commander's ear and you see Jarlne sweet nothings look, oh. yes sweet nothings <laughs> <laughs> glance Don't glance at Andromeda very very briefly and then back at the commander uh, the commander lets out a reserve sigh and then uh, straightens <laughs> back up well it seems you have you have a champion in our council I was to be the tie vote and I have to admit I was inclined not to ask for your help. The army of the Spurhern has been a solid bulwark against the Drake Lane's armies for hundreds of years. My pride that under Y Watch we may actually fail is a difficult reality to face. But if Frixies and Biscali have advocated for you since your arrival, and Jarl Ney has told me that you are somebody to be trusted, and there are very few people I trust more than her. So we will gladly accept your help. Oh. That's great. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then Bionni turns to Andromeda. That's dope that you're here. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Your trust is not misplaced. I assure you. Mic drop. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you dabbed for a second. I thought you were like, boom. I was like, Angel, no. <laughs> the size of the army uh, that is rallying outside leaves me to believe that they have found a weakness, and you can understand how that worries me. So I ask you to prepare. Uh, we do not know when they will attack, but we know it will be soon. The council disperses, and uh, you all are there. Pharaoh walks up to you all. You can now venture through the entire fortress. You do not need to be worried. There will no longer be guards posted at your door. If there's any supplies you will need, uh, we, we will be happy to get it. Um, just, I guess, guess, do your best to prepare. It can come at any time. We get out a scroll and it just rolls down, down the hallway. <laughs> all over. Like, yeah, this is what we need. We will require... <laughs> I need two guns for we each will- party member. <laughs> we will also need you to take all of our mundane weapons and give us much gold. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes, yeah. Make everything magical plus five. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> we need we need the right tools for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Oh, fuck. 
the for the rest of that day, you know, that meeting was in the morning. So you have that day, um, and presumably, possibly the next day. You don't know. I'm going to roll a dice uh, to figure out when the battle is going to start, and I will keep that too. We'll let time pass in the meantime. So, okay. So I know when the battle will when the battle will start. Uh, but in the meantime, you all have some time to pass. What do you all wish to do? Um, I mean, aside from the obvious, which is talk to her friends as much as they will talk to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andromeda also wants to try and see that Oracle lady. Not that she knows, you know, what an Oracle is, nor that she is an Oracle, <laughs> like much less. <laughs> she just sensed a kinship and that's about it. Right. Exactly. So she's kind of like, why are we the same? What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> Who is you? What am I? Why Oracle? Do you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, so do you track her down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, uh, you get directed to our, uh, her, her room. And you go to knock on the door and the door opens. Come in, my child. How may I help you? Oh, he- hello. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for... Um, opening the door (laughs) 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 i i um i just well when we met in the council um i just felt that we had a sort of bond that we might have the same source sort of for our magics and i've never met another person who had the same powers as myself uh, i've never i've never questioned before where they came from i i didn't know anyone else to know better that it wasn't normal to be like this um i'm only learning that now so i guess i have questions <laughs> yes you you're finding out that uh you are you are unique that there are not many like you, if if you've ever even met one like us. You'd, you'd be the first, I think. I think. Well, well, that is a very... It is a very special thing to find. Although it can be very scary. Uh, she reaches into her pocket, and as she pulls something out, it just flies across the room. As as you, uh, <laughs> as I know, you are probably familiar with uh, oh. our our uh, our magics are are drawing from very powerful creatures, uh, very powerful gods. It's not always a willing giveness. Sometimes it comes through channels that are difficult to understand, and our powers our powers are definitely very uh, interesting and hard to explain. But uh, they do they do allow us to do great things that others can't. It is nice to see another like me. It has been a very long time. It seems you have the same issues I have trying to retrieve things and Andromeda goes and picks up the item for her usually they would rattle the walls in my little home and throw dishes around and the like we had to start keeping wooden bowls 
<laughs> she goes, I understand. And she points over to her bowls. They're all wooden as well. <laughs> <laughs> By necessity, fun to be haunted. <laughs> it sometimes feels more like it can be, it can feel at times like it is a, a punishment of some sort. But I, I guarantee you it is not. It's, you know, tapping into the souls of others is is part of what happens to us and and so they want to communicate with us and sometimes they only know how to do that by throwing a dish at you (laughs) (laughs) do you do you know who gave you your power from what my understanding is from my teachers is that it is an unplanned tapping of a god's power and Sometimes, sometimes the eyes of that god may focus your way, depending on what you choose to do. Imagine tapping a tree for it, its sap. The tree might not notice that it has been tapped, but it still leaks the sap. And that is kind of what, what, is, what is the best way to describe your powers. Uh, it is not given necessarily willingly, but they don't necessarily notice you're taking it either. And it allows you insight and foresight into the mystical world around us and the beings alive or dead that may surround us. I've noticed, and uh, from all evidence around me, whatever has touched me has also noticed. I've felt its eyes on me since, since I was born those eyes may not be the eyes of your gods. It's the eyes of the people who wish to take advantage of your power. And it can feel very overwhelming and I can feel you are a good soul haunted by the darkness of where you draw your power. Those gods, those beings, they barely notice you are nothing but a pinprick of that drawing of that power. What you're seeing are the people who wish to take advantage of that power, that access you have. To them, it feels like access to godhood themselves. I'm sure there has been somebody who has tried to take advantage of that in your past. Oh, certainly. Not many, though. They don't... Hardly anyone is aware of me, although I think that's changing now. Um, And... That does allay some of my fears, at least, for the time being. It's best that the things, the soft touches I felt of whatever did give me this power, it's enough to to turn your mind to mush, to take away your very sense of yourself and the world around you and the people around you. So, best that it's not actually watching me all the time, I suppose. Yes, you also have some great companions that I I feel have been helping you on your journey and helping you to develop the defenses to make sure it doesn't consume you. And you are lucky to have that. Not all oracles have that that access, that that kinship. (laughs) 
that's true. Not all, I suppose not all of us are uh, touched by the same source of magic, though, either. Yes. Yes. Some are drawn to its power and they do not resist the temptation that it provides and it envelops them and, and makes them into something of a dark, dark soul. I am glad to see that has not happened to you. Well, as you said, I have, I have the luxury of friends <laughs> and people I can actually trust. So you're right there. The rest of that evening is is Andromeda and Johnny talking about chatting. Oracle, chatting about oracles, yeah. finding why out why oracles be and all that. Uh, what about the rest of you? Anyone else doing anything interesting? Abraxas is still feeling the kind of pain of the transformation, and it's just kind of like that all day soreness. I'm sure all of us have experienced at one point or the other. Um, I know Jess knows the the torture of all body. (laughs) I was just nodding like (laughs) Abraxas is 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 channeling (laughs) Jess every day, Uh and. But yeah, unlike Jess, he's totally not used to the sensation. So he's going around his day kind of almost on autopilot as far as, you know, making sure food's available. But the rest of that, he's kind of keeping to himself, um, maintaining armor and weapons because knowing that there's going to be assault coming pretty soon. Um, You know, and I'm sure folks... Yeah, creating bullets, uh, you know, putting the bullets in his little bandolier, you know, making sure he's set. Um, and I'm sure the other folks notice it, but he'll just give him a, a ginger kind of like smells like it just having an off day. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you. One of those, like, he knows he's concerned, they're concerned, but he doesn't know what it is either. So how's he going to reach out for either advice? Uh, is he's just going to have to deal with it? Again, it's, it's, it's something he's felt when he was younger, when the transformations were really new to him. So that's that's basically what he's doing. Um, kind of just keeping out of the way, doing some maintenance and chewing on his nature, his nature supplements for pain, for pain <laughs> control. Sometimes you just got to be alone. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Absolutely. Makes sense. Well, with... Andromeda occupied and Abraxas, you know, doing okay, but making it pretty clear that he's not in the mood for company. Uh, Pippa would probably, who Pippa is desperately craving company. She does not want to be alone with her own, (laughs) with her own self at the moment would probably seek out Bayani. Uh, Where would Bayani be? Would he be in our, in our suite or would he be wandering the fortress? Um, if you're looking for Bayani, you actually hear that he is in the courtyard, wherever the oh. courtyard would be. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably after like a little wandering herself, maybe getting lost a little bit, she would eventually find her way to, I'm assuming the courtyard at the top of the fortress where he yeah. can look out over the surrounding vista. Uh, no, not surrounding the vista, but like the inner keep of the courtyard itself, because mm-hmm. what Pippa will find when she steps out into the courtyard is she sees that there is a bunch of the castle's children running about Aww. and having fun 
that you don't necessarily see Bayani at first. Um, and then all of a sudden he pops up from underneath like a pile of snow and he starts flying <laughs> around going like, rah, rah, I'm going to get you little one. And he's like, picks up one of the children and swoops them up in the air and flies them about a little bit, and deposits them in front of you. And he just goes, oh, Pippa, hello. Hi. Having a good time? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm having a great time with the little ones here. So much fun. The kids are going like, ah, Bayani. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, if you, uh, you want to get back to it, don't let me stop you. But and she holds up a thermos that she brought outside with her. I do have some hot tea. Bayani turns back to the kids and says, you guys and gals know the rule. Do, do your own thing for a bit. The adults are going to sip some tea. The kids go, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god yay yeah. <laughs> adult sipping tea ew why <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> um if there are any like benches or stones or whatever Pippa would like brush off whatever snow and pour pour out two measures of tea into those little thermos cups that come with it and then uh, she'll also bring pull a flask out of her side pouch and waggle her eyebrows at Bayani and kind of lift it suggestively. Bayani has a big grin and he looks down <laughs> and goes, "Oh, see, this is why I knew it was gonna happen." <laughs> she laughs. She laughs and she unscrews and she's like, "All right, just say when." He says nothing. <laughs> she's like all right well there has to be some for me so she goes <laughs> but she pours a generous a generous dollop into each of our teas anything to stay warm oh right and uh he creates an earth shelter really quickly to stave off some of the wind oh nice that's yeah. handy oh yeah your so powers good. are extraordinary thanks i like yours too Thanks. I think it's a good it's a good compliment. Mine tend to be a little more whispery and and ethereal, and yours are very like concrete, practical stuff. And I mm, like that. Very, yeah. Make a good duo. I think so. In kind of the interest of continuing to be a good duo and being a good friend to you, you did you mentioned something at the meeting. Uh, gosh, was that? <laughs> Was that only yesterday that uh, I don't even know where time goes anymore on this crazy journey, but mm-hmm. you mentioned you needed assistance with a mental block. Do you want to talk about it? This is the first time I think talking to Bayani, he doesn't have a smile on his face. Oh, and he kind of, it slowly goes away and he looks out at the children playing at everything and he's not making eye contact and he just goes, oh yeah, uh, you know, after being awakened, it's to rude fashion, by the way, <laughs> uh, I've just been, you know, it feels kind of jumbled or not jumbled but caged up i don't know how to explain it and and you see a a a earthen wall appear in front of you uh and he just goes because like i can create these at will and i can affect the physical and then the wall kind of crumbles away and he goes but i feel like there's walls in my head that i can't get to and it's kind of bumming me out. 
Sure. That would bum anyone out. Yeah. Like, I enjoy all your company, obviously. But it would be kind of nice to know more. I just feel not myself. You have mentioned before that you don't have any really strong memories of how you even came to be in the hut in the first place. No, not really. Just kind of chilling. Chilling like a villain. (laughs) (laughs) And you want, are you sure you want access to them? I mean, in this time, Bionni looks straight at you. He's like, if a part of yourself was cut off, wouldn't you want to reattach it? There's no real way for Bionni to know that, but uh, that is a that is actually a super loaded question for Pippa right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, he'll see, he'll see, he'll see in her eyes that, that that the question also gives her pause, and she looks down at her tea. I suppose I have to withdraw the question because I don't actually have a great answer for mm. some things about myself that I have recently discovered. Oh, snap. I guess we're more of a duo than I thought. Yeah. And in my case, uh, my particular blocks are without fail removed without my knowledge or anybody asking me about it beforehand. Things just sort of unlock. Mm. And, I, in some ways it has changed my life for the better. And then in other ways I would, I would stuff it all behind that wall again, if I could, which is why Mm. I just want to say before you pursue this any further that, uh, sometimes those walls are there for a good reason. And we don't like what we find out about ourselves when they come down. Bionni is particularly contemplative from this answer. And he sips his brandy tea. I'm assuming it's brandy for some reason. Oh, it's definitely brandy. Okay. And nice brandy. He gulps a lot of it, which probably pisses Pippa off of wasting that brandy so quickly. <laughs> she kind of gets it. That makes sense to her. She Yeah. <laughs> she'll she'll offer him the thermos and the flask to serve himself more. Mm-hmm. And after Bionni finishes, he just looks back at Pippa and he goes, mm, I see what you mean, I'll take Pips, but I feel like that's all I got right now. Yeah. It's the only it's the only way I feel like I can know who I am a bit more. It's not like we're on Galarian. I can traipse about for clues. That is an excellent point. If you like, there might be something I can do right now. I uh one of the things I mentioned that sort of just unlock and just kind of seem to happen, whether I will it or no, is I can do some light, light mind reading. And if you permit me, I can take a look and see if I can detect the nature of what these blocks might be. So if, if Bionni agrees, Pippa would uh, get into the uh, crisscross applesauce, like meditative, uh, position that Abraxas has shown her and will take both of Bionni's stone hands and hers and tell him, all right. So I'm not, this is only like my third time giving this a try. So, you know, I hope something actually does happen, but uh, I think it's important just for both of us to sort of have our eyes closed, take deep breaths Mm. and just try to 
I guess, relax and let me in. Uh, it's okay. It'll, it'll go great. And he closes his <laughs> eyes. She sort of squeezes his fingers appreciatively. Uh, <laughs> sort of appreciating how like centered and how sure he is when she feels so completely unsure of everything most of the time these days. And we'll go ahead, take a deep breath and sort of try to slip into his mind using her bloodline ability. For these purposes, I'm using Mind Reader. It's mostly surface thoughts, like she can't probe too deep into his mind, but I'm hoping that she can maybe be able to glean where the blocks might be and the nature of them from from just sort of like a surface level scan of his mind. So you're sitting there and you're probing and you're beginning to try to access through that that stone skin of his, you know, metaphorically of course uh into his brain and at first you see large open fields with butterflies and greens but then as like you know just kind of like what i imagine bayani's mind is is just for the most part very serene very peaceful uh and but out of nowhere you just get hit with these flashes of just anger and violence and they're very brief flashes but it's enough to be very jolting to you and very revealing uh and and then it will go back to the green serene environment and then it'll be another flash and jolt of violence and 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 just an uneasy feeling just warps over you as you're looking at this but you can't get much more than that uh that's that just seems to be what's happening Bayani, can you give her an impression of what these little scenes of violence are like? Every time that you're walking through the field, Pippa, and the and these flashes of violence pop up, it's like a first-person perspective. So you're inhabiting Bayani now, and so you're seeing through his eyes. So these are like so these are his memories, and um, you see in one flash um, just dead bodies on the ground, uh, just everywhere, and then it keeps flashing, and you see his fist going down and just punching someone's face. And then you flash away and you see him holding up someone and tossing them down a cliff, blasting them. You have another flash and he's killing another person. There's another flash and you see him killing another person with his bare hands, just flash and flash and flash and flash. It's all generally the same violence of just him killing. Fucking yikes. Um, <laughs> that's super intense, Logan. <laughs> what? Oh, I like super chill. He's like, yeah, Whoa. the most chill, uh, except for, you know, when he's not. Um, like, do I do I get the sense that these mem- like are these memories behind a a wall of some kind, as as Bayani says, or or are they just sort of a disorganized out of order? just jumble and is Bayani seeing any of this too or is it just Pippa I want to say it's just Pippa that's seeing this mm-hmm. I would agree you you feel like the this this green field with the butterflies is paving over violent so what you're seeing are little cracks of it breaking through and you look at this tree and you see a crack you look at it closely and you see the cracks starting to open more and more but it's very slow and you start to realize that uh that this this serene environment is not necessarily gonna maybe last forever or at least things are starting to leak through 
um, which is why Pai Bayani is asking questions about it so much is, but he doesn't know why he's asking questions. Mm. And I'm going to add one detail, Dustin. Yeah. I think if Nippon looks around at the field of the flowers, she knows that, that there's uh, blood on some of the petals. Ooh. Nasty. Ooh. Does she get the sense that this was put here externally or that Bayani created it to shelter himself? You don't know. She'll slowly withdraw from his mind. Did you see any of that? Bayani answers with a huge grin and he just goes, oh yeah, I saw the butterflies and the flowers too. It was real dope. Right. Um, I also saw the butterflies and the flowers. Bayani, there are some really disturbing memories in there uh, of oh, you. Oh, you a skunk? No, I... <laughs> I saw you committing quite a quite a few horrible acts of murder. Bionni scrunches up his face and just goes, Oh, well, that doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't seem to make... I mean, and also, I want to be, be very clear here. I don't have any room to ride on ride in on some sort of morality high horse about what I saw I've done I've done similar things in the past few in the past few months uh, it's it's mm-hmm. so please don't take this as me uh, judging judging it in any way but what I did see was pretty traumatic and I'm not sure if you yourself put that meadow there to cover it over or if someone else did, but it is breaking down regardless. Mm. It's beginning to, well, you know, like when you made the wall crumble, it's beginning to crumble on its own. I think if you wait it out, eventually it'll, it will completely disappear, but we can also work on breaking it down ourselves. Mm. Like how many fingers worth of murder are we talking? She like holds up both hands with like all 10 digits. She's like, Roughly, roughly this, except maybe like she like does that thing where like you flash flash the hands for you know you know you flash the hands twice for twenty yeah. like <laughs> she does that like five or six times. She's like there was a there was a lot. Uh, Pippa, you notice as you're talking to him that the the gem that you had saw under his toga had glowed ever so slightly while you like the glow is like fading a little bit and you realize that when you went into his mind that that was possibly glowing the entire time you were in there mm-hmm. um Bionni can I take a closer look at that stone oh, on your chest Pippa there's children present there and he <laughs> makes a little earthen barrier more uh, a more a more private earthen barrier around them <laughs> <laughs> and he and he and he pulls out yeah he, oh, he uncovers purely purely professional at the moment i assure you oh yeah i know but you know <laughs> i don't want the children to, to see you wouldn't want to wouldn't want to damage their young minds i understand mm. um i take a I, I did we already assess this thing like take a take a close look at it in a different episode and i'm just no. not remembering 
Okay. You you noticed it very briefly um, when he gave you a hug, and I mentioned it uh, a gotcha. while back. But that was all but you saw. We were we were in the middle of like battle day of going through the hut, and there really wasn't time mm. to like look give it a examination. You push back his toga to reveal the crack in his chest. You see that it was feel, filled with this opaline uh, stone that that fills the entire crack, almost like it was was melted somehow and dripped into into the crack to be filled. Um, and if you want to roll me a spellcraft, uh, you might be able to. Dustin's gonna be mad. I rolled a, I rolled a natural twenty. Oh, <gasps> damn! Damn. So what's, what's your total spellcraft? Uh, it's a twenty-six total. Okay. Well, it's a shame you don't have more points in your spellcraft. Uh, I, really, I get nothing on a natural twenty. Like I don't get a reward my for my natural twenty. I'm gonna give you something, but yes, I had a thirty-three for this one. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I agree with Dustin on this one. Damn, sure that's enough. high. <laughs> uh, you definitely sense that it is a foreign object in Bayani, and you don't get the impression that it is inherently harmful. You get the impression that it is something that is definitely helping to create this manufactured reality for Bayani. Uh, but that's about all you know where it came from. You throw a detect magic and you detect some magic, but you can't even detect what type of magic it is, just that it's magical. There's definitely something going on with that. Uh, what you do know is it may very well be prote- protect, uh, preventing the violence uh, that you, w- you saw glimpses of. I love it. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> what you do realize is it's inherently important that that stone stay in him. Gotcha. Okay, so definitely not something to be removed. <laughs> Pippa, Pippa would just she'll tap it and just be like do you remember where you got this? I know there's not much chance but Bonnie looks down on his chest and just goes oh no I just thought it was a cool tat <laughs> that's a stone it's a rock what? <laughs> he like looks down <laughs> again and like touches it he's like oh shit yeah it feels no different. no that's an actual rock Um, definitely don't pull that out he starts like trying to pry it out <laughs> No, no. Bionic stop. <laughs> uh, that thing, oh. I, I don't know what it is. It is it is far beyond my, my ken as far as, uh, you know, being able to figure out what different, as opposed to being able to uh, parse what it's supposed to be. But uh, I do distinctly get the sense that that needs to stay on you. Do not, oh, okay. do not take it off until we know more. Okay. Okay, sounds sounds good. So, protect the titty. Yeah, at the very least, we might want to have might see if if any of the spellcasters in this tower might know more to at least figure out what this is. Mm. Maybe I should get like a really dope. Uh... But you know who kind of specializes in figuring out, you know, the provenance of really weird shit. I bet uh, Andromeda might know more. Bionni takes Pippa's hand and he just goes Pippa real talk yeah do I need to get a new shirt (laughs) (laughs) and he looks so sad about it oh honey do you want a new shirt 
Well, I don't want to particularly cover up the goods, but... Are you cold, though? No, but if it's for the good of the goods, it'll be good. I think it's fine. You don't need you don't need to cover it up. You just need to not pry it out of your chest. Okay, it would well, be And she just sort of gestures to your mm. torso. It would be a shame to put a shirt on this. Truly. And it, a crime. And he just po- yeah. He just poses, <laughs> he goes, Yeah, we make a good deal. Oh man, Team Torta <laughs> needs an HR manager. Uh, <laughs> uh, the HR manager would, would be Bayani. Yeah, we, we nominate Bayani. <laughs> you would like to file some complaints? <laughs> What's wrong with that? They just said you were hot. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're Actually, hot. Abraxas would be the best, best HR oh, manager. Would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Species relation Abraxas, SR. I keep calling you hot. What's wrong with that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as the day wraps up, this is this is the second day uh, you are here at the Airy. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Ziggy has returned items that you have purchased because several days have passed by. Oh, so oh, any yay. items you purchased you now have, they are unlocked to you. At the end of night two, you all are sound asleep, except for Abraxas. I think you're still writhing in pain. You're going to get, for technical terms, a full night's sleep, but I think you're having a rough sleep. And so you're sitting there and you're kind of doing the paw movement, you know, when dogs are having a nightmare and you see oh. them like moving, moving in the sleep. Uh, and you're having a dream of a time with you were with Pakel. Um, the blistering winds of the Kodar mountain rage agitated the snow beneath his paws. They often spelled the death for those foolish enough to reach these heights. For him, they sang whispered the mountain se- mountain secrets. Today, the voice was rushed as the volume rose. He could hardly make out the whispers. The cacophony was almost deafening. Curious, he bounded towards the nearest shelter so he could properly set up his meditation focus. That hopefully allow allow him to make out the message. He reached the mining encampment a little over two hours later, or more accurately, what was a fledgling mining camp. He and Pakel had destroyed it months ago. The miners had tasted awful, and it took weeks to remove the toxic byproducts of their works from the land. Not much remained. The shallow beginnings of the mine would provide sufficient shelter for his ritual. He tra- transformed to man form and as he continued down the jagged corridor, the moonlight at his, de- at his back. The mine was deeper than he remembered. He marched onward for what seemed hours. The moonlight oddly flickered before it vanished completely. Alarmed, he turned around in the darkness and rushed towards the entrance. Using his nose as his eyes, it wasn't long before he crashed into something cold and jagged. Finally gathering his wits, he summoned the spark of summer within him to bring forth light. To his shock, he was no longer in the mine. He stood in a vast gray emptiness. Towering before him stood an enormous icy cocoon. The whispers of the wind abruptly assaulted his senses. He braced himself against the icy surface in pain. As he made contact with the structure, the world went silent. Slowly he raised his head, his eyes locked momentarily with with that of an alien beast within the cocoon. He understood the original whispers of the mountain before he lost consciousness. Winter is here. Nice. Nice. Excellent. That was great. You are jolted awake as 
as the call to rally has been made. As as you all are summoned to ca- Commander Faramal, you start to walk through the fortress and it is eerily silent. There are people moving around everywhere, but you can tell that it is tense. It's so tense that the air is palatable. Uh, and as you you join Commander Faramal in the battlements, he points out, it looks like they're getting ready. You look below to see at least 20,000 troops organizing to begin an assault. And as you take that in, Faramal points out to the sky, that is what they were waiting for. Abraxas, your time on the Kodar mountain range, you knew exactly what he was pointing at. A large gray mass completely hides the mountain range that you came from. And you realize it is the largest snowstorm you have ever witnessed heading right towards the area. Oh, snap. That will make our forces and our archers virtually useless. We are in for a long day. It's it's very tense until you see Manette crawling through the hallways because she <laughs> can't <laughs> You just see, well, uh, clank, 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 clank. Uh, <laughs> are you sure you don't want me to shrink you down some? Uh, I mean, can you dismiss it quickly? I think we're fine. Clank, 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 clank. Do <laughs> you want me to butter up your armor to go through the whole Now there's there? an idea. No, it's, it's pretty slippy already. Pretty slippy. I think we're good. Um, oh, okay. Commander, I, I have a little bit of experience with this type of fight, so I think I think we'll be all right. I'm trying to say, I don't know anything about battle in real life. Let me ask my freaking dad. (laughs) (laughs) You ever battled in a snowstorm? Dad, in Desert Storm, did you? (laughs) She battled in a snowstorm. I know it wasn't that kind of storm, but like. (laughs) Close enough, right? Well, that is is one impression I do want to leave you that. Imagine, you know, uh, the mummy. The movie The Mummy, when the sandstorm oh, hits and it actually envelops—it's yeah. a face that envelops a whole bunch of stuff. Imagine that yep. only with snow. That's basically what, what you're that. facing. It's, it's that level of, of craziness. I, I'm sure we will be fine. Here, take this. And he passes you over a stone and he goes, "This is a communication stone. This will allow me to direct you wherever I think you need it most. It's time to prepare. I wish you luck." Minette nods and claps him on the back, but then and then Bionni. And then and then Bionni just goes, just point me at the things that need to be killed and I'll get alright on it. So I have to ask, what are each of you doing to prepare for this this battle? Like what have you are you summoned? You cast anything? I'm not gonna summon Dragon Taya just yet. Um, although although I do want to note that she is asking me to. <laughs> all right <laughs> she's definitely in pippa's brain going all like hey you know what would be really cool if you made me huge let's do that <laughs> remember that i want to spit acid on stuff like and uh like no i i honestly think you're a little more useful at your current size no <laughs> i want to spit acid on stuff it was awesome so she's having an argument. She is wearing a new set of robes. Ooh. She's not wearing the hyperboreal robes anymore. Instead, she's wearing these robes of, of deep purple and blue with gold Ooh. stitching all around it. 
these these are her like robes of arcane heritage that she put on for the first time and they nice. restitch themselves depending on the bloodline of <gasps> the Ooh. sorcerer in question that is um, awesome. she was afraid to put it on cuz it's wasn't a question she was sure she wanted the answer to she finally like worked up the courage to do it so um, but so you do see that the stitching on it is on the back of the robe is the stitching of a crocodile head and then <gasps> a gold line Ooh. leading from the head of the crocodile and then branching off into various into various other little branches with little icons at the end of them, almost like a family tree. Whoa. And then uh, there's a particular star. There's like a star that glows really brightly on one of the branches of that tree. Uh, interesting. That's so awesome. I, I just had a moment when you said it stitches it. And I just imagined it being those polo shirts with a little crocodile on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a robe of arcane uh, heritage right cost. there. Like <laughs> polo of arcane <laughs> heritage. That's no, it's like funny. a it's like a highly it's a highly stylized cro- like crocodile head across the back. Um, so I wow. would fuck boy wizard school. Um, yeah, that'll totally raise <laughs> my eyebrows with the brats. It's like, what? I, I do have a question school. for Pippa. Uh, that wizard robe, the boreal robe, did protect you from the elements. What are you going to do to protect yourself from the elements now? Because it is cold outside. I will figure that out. <laughs> All right. Bayani takes out a flask. And he opens up the stopper and downs it, and you just see that he begins growing fur all over his body as he drinks the bottled Yeti fur. Oh, yeah. yeah. To get some AC. And so now you're going to have a flying Sasquatch that uh, uses the wind and the earth and just goes, oh, I'm hairy. I'm I was hairy just wondering about that. Got a couple what of about that. Manette there? Um, Manette is going to turn to everyone who has weapon (laughs) Uh, and I'm gonna cast magic weapon greater which lasts an hour per level so it'll last all day Um, Uh, that's a good one yeah so those of you who I mean any weapon that you might use even like Mm. your crossbow Pippa uh, Bayani I don't think it's gonna work on you but I'm not sure Oh, your dagger, yeah. I'll give you a nice magic weapon bonus on that. And then uh, Abraxas, yeah. What was um, it called again? Magic weapon greater. Ah, magic weapon greater. Okay, what about the natural 20 known as Abraxas? <laughs> natural 20. Uh, well, how much time are we are we looking at? Is it enough to put our armor on, cast a spell or two, uh, put a quick breakfast together? Uh, like how much time? I'm going to say that you know that the battle is going to start soon. You're going to have enough time to do all this, that kind of stuff, eat breakfast. So, yeah, if you want to do your spoon <laughs> thing, if you want to roll me a cook thing, you can do that. So, and here, now, here's a question. Because I have that cool meat rod, can I basically do this huge, like, ground beef sausage patty thing and scoop it on all the, like, on the soldier's plate so everybody in that eats it gets the plus one the soup bonus? You can do that, but remember, you can only summon six pounds of meat a day. Oh, six pounds. Uh. Oh, man, that's going to be my whole day supply. (laughs) Sorry, I just realized I can't cast magic weapon on all of you because I forget paladins don't get to cast as much, so I can only cast it on my weapon. Sorry. 
Hey, Sorry, that's still everyone. Good. That's okay. At least Just one for me. Have the- <laughs> that would have been cool, but <laughs> I mean, you use spells. Don't worry yeah, about and, it. And I've already got. I've already got a my ma- like my crossbow is already magic, so it's fine. Right. It right, just would have been right. more magic. More, more magic. magic. Um, well then, um, a will then uh, clank down to the uh, the kitchen. Uh, sl- Summon the most meat he can at one time, I guess, of it's six pounds for the day. He's going to make it ground, six pounds of ground, and, you know, roll it into, he'll do little sausage patties, and use the ladle, same thing, to kind of pour the sauce. Um, He'll reheat some previous stuff, and just probably the most rush cooking he's ever done. (laughs) For sure, he'll make sure his peeps eat first, rushing plates. Eat this! You know, put the plate right under Bionis. Look, this is all meat. There is... No vegetables in this. Growing <laughs> <Wrong> boy. <laughs> because it's rushed, this is going to have a slightly elevated uh, cooking, but give me your cooking. Oh, I got that all the way up to a plus 10. Oh, yeah. Plus 10. Okay, so that is a 1929. Hopefully oh, that's man. enough. Passed it by one. Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah, plus you all get your plus one cooking. Cooking bless. If there's any leftovers, I'll just hand it to the most... Tr- oh, I'll, I'll tell... I'll ask Biscali, since I have that plus one diplomacy. He's like, look, this is really nourishing. Uh, make sure you're most strategically important. Soldiers, warriors, make sure they eat this. You you see her immediately <laughs> just put a sausage in her mouth. Like, not she, she knows she's not the most important strategic, but she does it anyway. Well, and I mean, she that's walks smart. away. <laughs> uh, okay. And uh Okay, so we're eating and Abraxas's ears perk up it's like Do you hear the song? <laughs> and as he says that, the snowstorm first hits the airy, and you feel the entire building shake at the force. And this is a building built out of a mountain and you feel it shaking. That's how hard it got hit right. by the snowstorm. Uh you hear Faramal call, come out, call out over the stone. The Draklins have begun their assault. Head to the Western Bastion. It looks like they're sending some troops that way. So I'm assuming you all begin to head that way. And as yeah, you definitely. head... I'll I, I'll, I uh, Pippa's robe, like, oh, okay, more on that later. And with that, he'll give <laughs> you a, a reassuring touch on the shoulder that, spray, that spreads... Um, warmth as they cast endure elements oh cool Aw, thanks angel as you begin to climb the stairs towards the western parapets you see a frost drake fly overhead followed by the cries of pain from the siege crews atop it you reach the top to see the siege crews lay unconscious frozen from the drake's frost weapon you see the frost drake sitting atop one of the light ballistas two Drakeland's Triaxian soldiers dismount and start heading towards the siege weapons to destroy them. The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a Fantastic Worlds production. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you can't get enough of the FWP crew, we recommend connecting with our fantastic community. You can do so by joining the conversation on Discord and Reddit or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. Want even more of the FWP crew? We produce two other actual play podcasts, Far Beyond the Stars, our space opera featuring the Fly Free or Die Adventure Path, which actually just started this season two this month. 
So get get your listening on. Or you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Greatest Show on Earth, featuring our Pathfinder 2E Extinction Curse Adventure Path. To find out more about that podcast, join today at fantasticworlds.cash. I am Dustin Prime, your bringing of winter weather. You can find me at Dustin Alexander on Instagram or Twitter. I'm Abby, and you can find me <laughs> contemplating my life choices and cold weather survival that I forgot about uh, on Twitter <laughs> and or Instagram at Bonanza Famine. This is Natural 20, Angel Espinoza. <laughs> I can be reached at Espinoza916. And only this six is... pounds of meat a day, Dustin? That seems so little for Braxis. <laughs> Could it be like 60? <laughs> this is your resident feral queer, Jess. Uh, wishing I was a little more optimized at this point. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Hank the Clank. And this is everyone's favorite himbo question mark. Mm-hmm. Logan, you can find me at mainman 8 on Instagram and Twitter. Theme song was composed and played by Amy Hawkinson. Uh, thank you, Sirenscape, for using your sound effects and music. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and help spread the word to friends and family you think may enjoy the show as well. I hope you enjoyed the holidays. Right before the ball drop, you better be telling people about Fantastic World podcast. Oh. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. If you don't, it's bad luck for you. Uh, yeah. Till <laughs> next time, I hope you have many fantastic adventures. Claw. The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Pathfinder Adventure Path Reign of Winter is a trademark of Paizo, copyright 2013. All Paizo content in this podcast is used with permission. Uh, the miners tasted awful. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make that loud. <laughs> 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 uh,